Welcome to the podcast series on sexual health for seniors with Dr. Sue and Bernie O'Brien. This podcast series is based on conversations with seniors about sexual health, sexual desire and related matters. In this session, we'll be discussing Stephen. In the meantime, welcome Bernie. Thank you, Dr. Sue. It's always interesting and a pleasure to speak to you. Great to have you with me this afternoon. Now, just to give a bit of background, sexual desire in older age was a topic that I researched with the Queensland University of Technology some years ago via interviews with a range of older people. Yes, this session's narrative is about sexual desire from an older person's perspective, and our focus this week is on Stephen's story. Please be advised that there is mention of suicide in this narrative. Stephen was 65 years of age. He had thick, sandy-coloured hair and deep blue eyes. His enjoyment of the outdoor life was reflected in his tanned and muscular appearance. Stephen had been married briefly as a young man. His first wife left Stephen and their young children to live with another man. Stephen raised the children alone until he met his second wife. In Stephen's words, I went 10 years single. I wasn't ready to settle because I was still getting over it. It took 10 years for me to enter into another full-time relationship and it was sort of full-on from the first meeting. Stephen had been married to his second wife for more than 30 years. At first, the sexual relationship in his second marriage was good. It was real good. Fantastic, yeah. It was quite active and it went like that for five or six years and then it slipped into the old pattern of, no, I'm too busy. Stephen worked long hours to provide for his family. He conceded that his focus on work may have contributed to the decline of his sexual relationship in his second marriage. Well, it was the sexual thing and I was full on at work. The business probably took over a lot of family life and stuff and I feel I wasn't easy to live with because I was totally focused on the job and everything had to fall into place. I realised later I was too demanding and too pushing and that. Stephen decided to retire when he was in his mid-50s. By the time Stephen had enjoyed nearly 15 years of retirement, he was deeply unhappy in his marriage. His wife had gradually declined participation in any form of intimacy or sexual activity. Now it's sort of gone to zero. She freezes up. I can't even get a kiss or a cuddle. As soon as you start, she'll say, you won't stop at that. You always want more. Stephen learned from a family source that his wife had experienced sexual abuse by another family member in her younger life. He attributed his wife's aversion to touch to her early abuse. Stephen felt lonely and he was dejected within the marriage. He wanted to share his feelings of sexual desire with his wife. Desire is when you want to be with somebody that's intimate and the body is still working nicely and then all of a sudden your body gets excited so it's a feeling, maybe the release of testosterone, something within the chemical reaction that gets you, gets you awake, gets you moving again type thing. Then you've got to put it away again because there's nowhere to go. That's the end of the story but at least you know that it's still okay, the feeling and you're okay, and you're ready for receiving. Some people don't want to receive, and you do. But it's good to know that I can still receive and still give. Bernie, what do you think about Stephen's comments and his dejection within that marriage? 
I look at Stephen's first marriage, and I have to make some assumptions that the breakup after only a few years was would have been caused, Dr. Sue, by one of two problems. Firstly, that the couple was too young and inexperienced to maintain a longer-term relationship and maybe should not have married in the first place. His wife maybe could have realised this and taken off when she found a new partner with whom she could happily create a better life. Although I must say, to leave her young children sounds pretty immature. It do does. You, do you think that is a fair assumption, Dr. Sue? No, I, definitely I do. And I think um, it must have been, and I know from speaking with him, that it was a terrible time for Stephen because not only was he trying to start up his own business, but he had the three young, the young children to look after as well. So, yes, it, was, it, was a, it would have been a real struggle for him. And it wasn't until they, as he said earlier, in a bit older when he was able to think about having a second relationship. And it did go well for a while. And um, my feeling is that it, it probably, as he said, his work probably took over because uh, he was trying to make an income. Well, my second assumption is that his first wife was not pleased with her sex life or their income or their splitting of housekeeping duties or their choice of television <laughs> viewing or anything like that, one of a dozen other things. and But it's my only guess mm. that it's likely to have been their sex life. Yes. And look, the research does say that if the a woman doesn't have help in the house, you know, feels supported within the house, then that will that often will impact on the sex life. They don't feel like having sex with somebody who doesn't give them that support. And my impression too is, and it could be it's subjective, is that Stephen was, because he was focused so entirely on, uh, he, he always had it in his mind that he wanted to get in there, get a, get a good income and security for the future and retire young. And I think that he probably helped very little in the house. So this would have been perhaps, and again, we're, I'm being subjective, but a, a big turnoff for that first wife. Well, Stephen has defined desire in his answer to your questions in a fairly reasonable way. He talks about both giving and receiving pleasure, but it still sounds to me as if he expected, well, both of his wives to fall into line when he was ready for action. I wonder if he was one of those old-time fellows who just didn't understand what women want and what women need to have an orgasm. Yes, he was a very masculine type of fellow, so um, he, he probably, or he maybe making an assumption again, he didn't take the time to appreciate women's needs and wants. Yes, I think you, you've probably hit it on the nail there, Bernie. Well, if, if mm. that is the case, you might consider that he's failed in that old problem of human communication that does uh, turn up fairly frequently mm. in these interviews. Yes, that's right. Maybe it comes back to that basic lack in some people's ability to communicate, the dislike of speaking out loud about subjects which are sometimes regarded as taboo. Right, Doctor? Yes, I agree with you entirely, Bernie. I think that's exactly right. So back to Stephen. So when Stephen tried to discuss the matter, he did try to communicate there, but we're not quite sure how that was done. 
but his wife did not consider that there was a marital problem. And if there was, she put it back over to Stephen. It was his problem. I'm thinking, well, maybe it is my problem, but the brain, the mind is still active and the body is still active. How could it be a problem? She's comfortable with her problem and her way. It's not a problem. She's satisfied with her side, but that can be with me or without me. Mm. Stephen recognised that the marriage provided stability and a sense of security, and he was reluctant to leave. Opportunities to engage in a relationship with other women occasionally presented and had been rejected by Stephen to date. In the meantime, Stephen's ability to give and receive and his need for physical contact led him into the world of sex workers. I just pay for it every now and then. Not that often, but you've just got to relieve yourself somehow. I have to go to a prostitute every three, four, five or six months But it's not really satisfying. It's within. It doesn't solve the problem. You just want someone to love you, and that's all there is to it. That's part of it. And the actual sexual thing, it happens, but it doesn't mean anything, and it's not satisfying at all. I'd rather be with my wife. I just feel that she'd probably be quite happy by herself in a way because she's got her things, she does, her lifestyle and that. It's just if there's nothing at the end of it, why be together? That's what I'm thinking. But then you say, oh, this is all right. Why make big waves about things? While Stephen was reluctant to make waves, the lack of a sexual relationship within his marriage was disturbing to him. When there's nothing to look forward to, it makes you think about suicide. And I think that's why so many men commit suicide, because there's nothing left for them. It's more because the mind is a tricky old thing. That's why your mind will control your body. You tell it to go away, and I've felt that way, just the thinking, not the doing of suicide. It's not a dignified way to die, I suppose, but at least that gets it over with when it's too much hassle to run away or stay. I've thought about it, but I'm thinking not for myself. I'm thinking generally at about what other people would be doing. What do you think, Bernie? I mean, you know, suicide among the male population, among all all female and men, is a problem, but particularly for men. Yeah, I think, um, you know, something like this could lead an older man towards those thoughts, do you think? Maybe. Question for you, Dr Sue. Mm -hmm. Was your interview with Stephen a single meeting or was it over a longer period of time? No, I, I interviewed him probably over about a year, probably four or five interviews, and uh, we would meet in a beachside coastal suburb and uh, in a cafe. So, you know, that was – it was we'd, – we'd look for a sort of an area away from other people and choose times that were less busy. But uh, I never actually went to his home and it was always in a – yeah, in, an, in a cafe type of environment. Well, but over I, a period of time, I did get to know him, yeah. Mm. So other than his discussion about two separate sex lives, both of which dwindled, he raised three important points about male and female relationships. The first was the possibility that his second wife had suffered some kind of sexual abuse within her family when she was younger. Yes, My thoughts are that, yes, you know, again, um, the sexual abuse, this has cropped up in a previous episode where an early uh, sexual abuse 
by a lady in the in the relationship influenced her uh, attitude, I guess, if you like, towards sexual sexual relationships later on. And yes, this could be one of the reasons here that that happened. Um, I think so. But they had good sex for six years. Out of thirty. Yeah. So, but the first six years. <laughs> That's a fifth. <laughs> <clears throat> so you know, would the sexual abuse have influenced that? If it was, it probably would have been right at the beginning, wouldn't you think? I I don't know, Doctor. I yeah. I can't. Uh, uh, I, I can't. mean, I, I'm just making assumptions. And the second yeah. of these, the second Point. issue that that uh, Stephen raised was the availability of a sex worker, in his words, to relieve yourself. That occupation of sex worker has changed greatly in the last, I don't know, 40 years or so. That's true. I mean, it's much more a profession, uh, an accepted profession now, if you like. Much more. And there are more um, regulations around that. Um, more, I think it's more accepted. Uh, although, to my way of thinking... I probably hear less about that now than I did as a younger person. I'm not quite sure why. Well, because it's no longer illegal. Yeah, yeah. No longer taboo. Mm. Uh, when when I was in my early 20s, I actually lived in King's Cross in Sydney and that was the, uh, you know, probably one of... what was your of... job, may I ask? <laughs> it was probably one of the most, apart from St Kilda, I think, or, you know, I think the cross probably beat St Kilda even. In those days, uh, a sex worker had a, p- a particular appearance and they were very easily recognisable. They, you know, they would have a lot of makeup, expensive looking clothes, bouffant hair, often a little dog on a lead. Apologies to all of those who have little dogs on a lead, um, but quite distinct. But nowadays, with um, sex work becoming more into the mainstream, you wouldn't have any idea of who was a sex worker. In those days, there was that clear distinction. But as for the act, um, never having been a sex worker myself... Me neither. uh, (laughs) I always threatened to stand on a street corner if my children needed something, were desperate for food or something like that. But then then I thought I probably wouldn't do any good anyway. (laughs) I think we'd better... Move on to the third issue that Stephen raised, and that was, of course, about suicide as something to consider when there seems to be no sure way of continuing a satisfactory sex life. Did did you get that impression when you were talking to him? I think that it was fleeting thoughts more than anything. You know that I don't. He didn't seem depressed at any time. That, um, and I'm not a psychologist either. I should add, you know, I'm not qualified to recognise symptoms of depression. Uh, Although as a registered nurse, you have a fairly good idea of uh, what depression looks like. However, we should get back to Stephen's story. Yes. I felt that Stephen seemed undecided about his own future. Again, in his words, you sort of think now, how much time is left and which way would make it best? Do you just go along with it or just let it fade away? Or do you want it to go on? But my life's good. I can accept it, but I don't like it. I'd like to change the way things are. I don't know what's in store. Stephen's narrative related almost entirely to the sexual rejection that he was experiencing. From a biological perspective, Stephen was fit and healthy. He was sexually functional and he experienced sexual desire on a regular basis. 
he understood that his wife may be experiencing psychological issues associated with abuse that had occurred before their marriage. It was the total physical rejection that Stephen found difficult to manage. He was aware of couples who were not sexually active and yet maintained intimate contact within the relationship. Stephen's needs were simple, really. Just a little hug now and then was all he desired. He was ready to receive. What do you think about Stephen's narrative, Bernie? In my opinion, Stephen's summary, which I just read, is normal human musing over the closing in of the end of his earthly life, what they call intimations of mortality. Most people we would consider to be elderly do a little bit of that from time to time. But looking over the whole narrative, I think that he should have had better sex education when he was young. Yeah, or relationship counselling even. Or relationship counselling. Good point. Mm. So that was Stephen's story. If you or someone you know are experiencing suicidal thoughts, please contact Lifeline on 131114. Help is available for you. You've been listening to Bernie O'Brien and Dr. Sue, and we've been talking about sexual desire in older age. The focus this week was on Stephen. We'll continue with our series on sexual health for seniors in our next podcast. 